0: In a stadium rich with tradition. The lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp. Well, the Badgers season is alive, Jesse. They go down to West Lafayette, they beat Purdue 30 to 13. Number 25, Purdue, that is, they snap that. Eight-game losing streak to ranked opponents. They've beaten Purdue 15 straight times. They did it in a very Wisconsin way. Graham Mertz throwing the ball eight times. The defense causing five turnovers. And the running game putting up 290 yards, including 289 from Chez Malusi and Braylon Allen. Uh, The first half, obviously not pretty, but Wisconsin dominated in the second half. And uh, they are now 2-2 and in conference. And uh, they're, they're... Chance their their window to, to Indy is wide open with uh, Iowa coming to town this weekend. It's pretty wild the way things have played out. This was this
1: two week stretch, really was the defining moment of the season for Wisconsin, and we're halfway there. Obviously, there are more games down the road, Minnesota's lurking there at the end, but I think clearly the Badgers have found something here in recent weeks. Maybe fans aren't <laughs> pleased with everything they found, they probably would like to see Graham throw more than eight times. Then again, maybe they. Maybe they don't want to see him throw more than eight times given some of the turnovers, but this was sort of a, a classic Wisconsin performance. And the defense has been elite all season, and the one missing piece has been the inability to create takeaways and turnovers. And this is a, a story that I, I wrote for Monday, but Jim Leonard has been harping on it for weeks and weeks. After Wisconsin beat Illinois 24-0, got the shutout, th- that defense somehow didn't get any turnovers in that game. And, and he said that this was a game where it didn't matter but it's going to matter. It's going to make all the difference in the world. And I think this was a clear example of how much of a difference it can make. If they don't force those turnovers, Purdue wins this game. Um, There were some, some pretty critical uh, opportunities that they took advantage of. And I thought another interesting thing that Jim had been doing fan Hicks said, he'd basically been trying to speak this into existence every Thursday and Friday. Apparently he shows the defense, a, a turnover tape, and it's just highlights of other teams throughout college football. Getting interceptions, running the same defensive scheme or coverages that Wisconsin runs, and the whole point was this is possible uh, to give the defense the mojo, and they got it. So it was a big, big opportunity and a big moment for the defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I kind of side with Leo Chanel. They, they, uh, they just caught the balls so that were thrown to them this time. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know, I know he was joking a little bit, but you're right. And obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm sure your story has a lot more details and is, is a lot better worded than anything I'm going to say here. But I, it, it just, some people call it luck. I I would think it's just the, the like, so, there are certain plays that are luck and there are certain plays that are caused turnovers, right? Like the the tip ball from Aiden O'Connell, you know, late in that game, I think that Colin Wilder's interception. That That's a little bit of luck, right? That's being in the right place. But the ball came to him and he caught it. In other games, he hadn't caught it. There's other game. There's other things where you force turnovers. His first turnover, where they called it a fumble, they called it interception, then called it a fumble. That's a play making type of situation. He went and attacked the ball and ripped it away, and it was a huge, huge play for the game. So, like, I think there's different ways you can turn the ball over, and um, they did it kind of both. I think on Saturday, like there, there were opportunities, like Caesar Williams stepping in front of pass. That's that's taking advantage of an opportunity. Sometimes you're you're it. Sometimes it's going to be luck. Sometimes it's going to be taking advantage of an opportunity on su- on Saturday. It was kind of a little bit of both, I think.
1: Yeah, um, there's a lot of I think studying that goes into making these plays happen, and sometimes they present themselves and they don't take advantage. We've talked before about some of those opportunities that the ball comes off their hands. But you you mentioned the Caesar Williams interception, for example. He 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 said. I asked him, "What did you see on the the play?" And he said, "There was a play before that interception where they they ran a route." There was an inside release, a stem back up and a dig. And he said the second time they did it, they gave him the same look with an inside release, a stem up. But uh, at the end of the route, he went out and he said Purdue was trying to catch him off guard where he would think they were going to run the same thing and, and they didn't catch it. And the same thing on John Torchio's interception, they had studied that. He said that, the job of the safety was to, to stay over the middle there and play that 10 yard curl route, which is something they'd seen on film and prepared for. And he was able to jump the route and intercept it. So yeah, obviously turnover. Sometimes they, it is a little bit of luck. I mean, Jack Sanborn was saying that they'd been so close and it was just like, all of a sudden today they decided they were going to get lucky. Everything was going to bounce their way. But I also think you, you put yourself in position, you create your own luck. Um, so it was a combination <laughs> But however it happened, I think this is a has the potential to be a critical moment for the defense to potentially build some of that confidence. And if there is such a thing as carryover, I don't know that I believe in that uh, for a different game in the following week. But Torchio thinks the turnovers come in bunches. So um, this was uh, obviously much needed for that group, despite how good they had been. To have four turnovers in six games is ridiculous. There's only one team that had fewer, Florida International. Which is one in six is very head scratching.
0: Yeah, now and obviously now Wisconsin has eight turnovers, which I believe is still relatively not eight turnovers, excuse They've me. They've got nine, nine takeaways. Nine, yeah. nine takeaways. Um, and what what is that rank now? See now they're up in the they, they're up in the nineties, or I should say the eighties. There it's you go. They ranked seventy-eighth in turnovers. Now turnover margin, they're still very much uh, down towards the bottom. Cause they turned the ball over a couple times, but no sticking with the defense. You're right. Like the the John Torchia play felt like wake forest last year. Like mm-hmm. they, you know, he, <laughs> you mean because he got tackled at the one well, that <laughs> I didn't mean that. that's not what I meant, but that's a very good point. Uh, but I, I mean, jumping routes, like cause of, uh, study because of yeah. what, what you had studied and it led to you know, a big play in a big play when they needed it. Now they obviously didn't convert that into a touchdown, which I think actually they did against, uh, for the most part, against Wake Forest because they decided to run. Uh, Graham Mertz had two touchdown runs, and they were both quarterback sneaks, which uh, is kind of his thing. Um, except yesterday, it was not kind of his thing. So, uh, but either way, they uh, yeah, the defense forced the turnovers, but I think. Obviously, the story of the of the game, at least defensively, was the turnovers, but also Leo Chanel because he continues to just be an absolute beast, as Jack Sanborn said afterwards. The dude had three-and-a-half sacks, five-and-a-half tackles for loss, nine tackles overall. He was everywhere, and it felt like he was in the backfield every single snap uh, that uh, they either rushed him or, or they ran the ball. Like, it just – he has been ridiculous the last two weeks. I can't really – I'm trying to think of another performance – back-to-back weeks by a linebacker in Wisconsin history. And it's not even Wisconsin history. It's like maybe like the last 10 years or so. And it's hard to do it. He's been awesome.
1: Ridiculous is a good word for it. Jake Ferguson used for the second week in a row that he was a good kind of crazy. And then Colin Wilder said that Leo was just wired differently. And he was asked in what way is he wired differently? And Colin called him a much larger Tasmanian devil (laughs) just because of how much energy he brings and, and obviously how infectious that personality is but you you mentioned this two-game stretch he had 17 tackles against army and then he just goes out and completely dominates this game produce first offensive drive he closed that out by sacking aiden o'connell 10-yard loss forces a punt next drive first play sacks o'connell for an eight-yard loss and then in the second quarter he sacked o'connell again that was on first down and so that's a 10-yard loss those are the type of plays that completely wreck James uh, wreck drives and completely alter the complexion of games because that sack in the second quarter, the very next play, Caesar Williams is interception. So yeah, he's been phenomenal. And it's even more ridiculous to think that he leads the team in tackles, tackles for loss sacks, forced fumbles, despite missing the first two games. Can you imagine what his numbers would be if he played
0: the first two games? Well, does, uh, ridiculous. Does Wisconsin's record look any different if he plays the first two games? Well, it's I, certainly a possibility. I mean, I mean six, the offense points right. Like the offense
1: wasn't good against Penn State, right. but you never know. Maybe yeah. he makes a game-changing play. It was a one-possession game, despite yeah. how bad they played. As we know, the offense had a chance to win at the end. So right. I'm not going to say it's it's impossible. He For he sure. gives you. For as good as Mike Mascalunas was filling in, obviously, Leo Chanel is on an entirely different level. He's playing at a first-team all-conference and perhaps even all-American level right now. We'll have to see how it plays out, but he's been that good. Has this been a breakout season for him? 100%. Uh, um, even though I, you know, I said, I think I had said I thought last year was in some regards, he's taken his game to another level. So, absolutely. Okay. Just wanted to check. Are you patting yourself on the back here?
0: Nope. Not at all. (laughs) That's a nice way of doing it. None whatsoever. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but no, obviously the defense, I mean, 206 yards. You you saw what Purdue did to Iowa the week before. I I feel like, and I'm sure Iowa will do the same thing at times, running up the middle against this team is just a waste of a down. I agree. (laughs) It's like, I don't, what are you doing? Especially if you're Purdue. Just throw the ball. Do what you're good at. And, and like, I know you're trying to at least keep Wisconsin it, because if you if you just throw the ball, if you just say, screw it, we're not going to run the ball, then the, the pass rush becomes even more dangerous than it already is. Right. Like you have to you have to keep them a little bit honest, but run the ball the outside, like get it on the edges, do it, do what Navy did or excuse me, Army did, you know, in that second half where you're kind of trying to get it to the outside. Now, Purdue is certainly not an option team. They tried that a little bit with Plummer. And, um, you know, he, he had a little bit of success, but it was like one big play. And then Leo Chanel would come over and and, and rip his head off. Like, so it, it wasn't even, there was really nothing Purdue could do. Right. And I I don't think we've given enough credit here to the defensive backs because David Bell came into that game off a 240 yard performance. And, you know, it's not like Iowa was just ignoring David Bell. They obviously wanted to stop him as well. Wisconsin though shut him down like he, he had 33 yards receiving th- I believe it's the third fewest he's had in his career and the, the fewest since he was a freshman certainly he had been unstoppable this year and uh they stopped him up and Fayon hicks even kind of joked towards the end of the game you know like are, are uh are they gonna start throwing the ball your way because he like even before uh, what he had he had a couple of catches that last drive so it wasn't even like he had four catches for less than 30 yards through the first what 50 some odd minutes of that game And Fayon Hicks, Caesar Williams, the rest of those guys, I I know they were rolling coverages to his side and just making somebody else beat them. And the tight end was great. Their tight end was great. But David Bell was a non-factor. And that does not happen very often.
1: It really was an incredible defensive performance by Wisconsin. Bell torched Iowa last week. He had 11 catches for 240 yards. And he comes into this game ranked number three in the FBS in receiving yards per game, 135.8. Well, at halftime, he's got two catches for six yards. It's a complete non-factor. You talked about six catches for 33 yards, and Fan and Caesar are largely responsible for making that happen. I mean, you you, you mentioned like Fan talked about how they rolled coverages towards him, and on first and second down, they knew that Purdue wanted to get him the ball, and they were trying to create some turnovers, which didn't happen. But really, in practice throughout the whole week, Caesar and Fayon just took turns defending whoever was playing David Bell. But but as they prepped for it. And in the game, I, I asked, like, both of them, what was the split on, on how they defended him? Like, how did they decide? And it was just, if David Bell lines up on the left side, Fan Hicks has him. If he lines up on the, on the right side, Caesar has him. And Caesar said that, first of all, those two guys have confidence in themselves, but he said, we do it each and every week. And I don't think Fan or myself gets the credit that we deserve for what we do week in and week out. He said, I like to grind in the shadow and let the light come when the light comes, but um, I thought those, those two guys had a, a fabulous game. Now, I guess by saying that you like to grind in the shadow, you're <laughs> acknowledging <laughs> and saying that you deserve more credit, it's a, a little um, hypocritical or however you want to put it, but but either way, I mean, you play you play as well as he did. You can say whatever you want. And I do think those two guys um, often are, are kind of ignored when we talk about the defense, right? We just we, Leo Chanel rightfully so deserves a ton of credit. Jack Sanborn as well. Sometimes those defensive backs, if they're not making interceptions, you don't necessarily notice them. But Caesar obviously had a pick, and
0: both those guys defended one of the best wide receivers in the country ex- extremely well. Yeah, it was a really good performance by the defense, and they gave the offense so many
1: opportunities. So many. So many <laughs> that wound up not mattering somehow.
0: Right. Uh, that, And unfortunately for the offense, they were not always able to take advantage of those. But they did enough, and and let's talk about the positive stuff first, because I think there's sure. plenty there's plenty of positive to go, and and it starts, I think, with the running game. Clearly, with Braylon Allen and Malusi. and the offensive line. This is three straight games now where they've run the ball well. Uh, you can make excuses for the Illinois one. You can even make excuses for Army, Purdue. What they have, what they had done to this point in the year, a hundred and what it was hundred and sixteen yards a game coming into this one. And they had played some teams that liked to run the ball and Wisconsin shoved it down their throat and to the tune of 290 yards, especially there in the second half. I think they had 80 some odd yards in the third quarter, 80 some odd yards in the fourth quarter. It was a really, really, I think, statement game from the Wisconsin running game yesterday that uh, that they kind of kind of are getting back to who they want to be and and getting back to what they weren't earlier in the year.
1: Yeah, I think it absolutely was. Anytime you run the ball 51 times, you average 5.7 yards per carry and you pass eight times, that's clearly a statement game against a top 25 team on the road. Um, I thought it was funny that and you were there as well. Running backs coach Gary Brown comes out of the locker room. He's heading toward the team bus. He gets handed a, a piece of paper with a box score on it and he looks for the numbers on his running backs and he's just like, goodness gracious, like <laughs> even the running backs coach couldn't believe what Ches and Braylon did. Ches carries 27 times for 149 yards with a touchdown. And then Braylon has the 12 carries for 140 yards with two touchdowns. I think there's going to be an, an issue they need to keep track of with fumbling since he fumbled twice and lost one. But still, some of the runs he's able to make, um, it really shows you he's got that nice blend of power and speed. And you talk about the offensive line, really in in the run game, an outstanding job. And specifically, Braylon's 70-yard run, when they get the ball, they're backed up at their own six. I asked Braylon what he saw and he said, green grass. (laughs) I mean, it was a massive hole. So they all talked about, you know, that idea of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what they they were running the ball. Well, so they kept doing it, but that idea of finding their offensive identity, which is obviously something they were struggling with earlier. Um, You know, if you can't take care of the ball, if you can't run the ball, if you can't pass the ball, what, (laughs) what are you as Wisconsin? So um, at least they've been able to run the ball well, and I think it's it's given the offensive line some confidence. And Tyler Beach even said that what they're able to do that's demoralizing for a defense. You just keep running it down their throat every single play; they lose a little bit of morale, and over time, you saw w- what Wisconsin was able to do. So, yeah, that one-two combination of Ches and Braylon uh, has a chance to be pretty darn special.
0: How about that Ches touchdown run?
1: Oh my God,
0: a free <laughs> run. Runner- juke- yeah. yeah. I mean, a, a free runner off the side. I, I think there may have been a miscommunication. I think, like, cause I think Tyler Beach ended up not blocking anybody. I think uh, Jalen, so Jalen, uh, it needs to be noted that they did all this without four, t- what they end up without four of their tight ends, five of their tight ends. Uh, Cam Large goes down early. They were already without Hayden Rucci and Clay Condiff. And, and, and uh, Jack Eschenbach, too. Jack Eschenbach. And, and, uh, <clears throat> one of the other ones went down for the year earlier and his name is now escaped cold dock So like Mm -hmm. all these, all these guys that you could potentially be counting on, not there. Jalen Franklin forced into a lot of things that he probably hasn't done a ton of, but he led the way on Braylon's first touchdown. Yeah. I thought he played well. Yeah. So, but on, on that particular play, I think there may have been a miscommunication because he took a guy that uh, that I think Tyler may have wanted, but it didn't matter. So either way, the, the potential guy that I think he may have been wanting to block there ended up right in front of uh, Chesma Malusi as he got the ball. And just an insane move to get free of that. And then just to finish it, a fantastic run by him. Yeah, it was the safety. Cam Allen got in there
1: and it should have been a four yard loss. They had the ball at the 20. He sh- Chez should have been dropped at the 24 and somehow he got out of that and he scored the 20 yard touchdown and He said after the game, that was uh, that's up there on his uh, on his list of best runs that the fact it's not number one. I don't know. I'd like to see what number one is for him, but um, very good shiftiness and elusiveness and um, that make you miss ability. Uh, that, that's something that, they've needed more of and to see both those guys break off explosive runs which I are generally categorized as 20 plus yards that's been another element that's been missing from the run game so if they can put that together it it, it makes you wonder whether this team even when they throw eight times a game can actually win the big 10 west like can they can, there's there's five games left there's five weeks left to do this we're going to find out obviously this saturday against iowa but um just makes you wonder whether this is a real thing that can happen, despite all the things we've said that haven't gone right so far. Was it kind of like twenty fourteen? It's starting to feel a little bit that way when they when they reeled off seven straight wins. I know Badgers fans would hope they wouldn't lose fifty nine nothing to Ohio State. We'll uh, cross that bridge. We'll cross that bridge <laughs> if we get there. But um, yeah, it. I'm not going to say it's a November to remember yet. <laughs> right, we're not there yet. But uh, look. They're still in the hunt. They've given themselves an opportunity. They got that second chance. And I think that's another thing worth noting that it honestly, it does seem as though that get, when Purdue beat Iowa, it gave these guys new life. I mean, obviously they, it does in the standings, but just in terms of their approach, because fan talked about this, that when that was taken away early in the season, when they didn't play well, he said, that's a dark place to be as a team. You start asking yourself, like, damn, what are we playing for? That's what Fayon said. So when you get that opportunity back, I think these guys realize how how important that is. And um, they're
0: they've responded, certainly. It's funny. I I heard Fayon say that, but then Braylon said it as well. So I feel like maybe it's something like within the locker room that it may have been a dark place for all of them. And mm-hmm. um, and they were able to, because of what happened in Iowa City, what, two weeks ago now, or you know, a week and, week and change ago now. It gave them a second life. They took advantage of it. I was, I'll be honest, Jesse, I was wondering if they were going to be able to, like, they were saying all the right things last week. Like, yeah, oh man, with a second chance, all these things like this and that. And, you know, you wanted to come out and see like, were they well-prepared? Were they playing with energy? Were they, you know, were they still locked in? And the first half offensively certainly didn't give you a a ton of confidence outside of like what the, the, um, the 92 yard drive, um, that came out of nowhere. Colton Bartholomew from the Wisconsin State Journal said it best, and, and Jim, Chol, Jim Jim Polzine tweeted it out. It was it was something like two ninety-yard drives uh, between a sandwich of crap, and and he didn't say crap, but that's essentially what that offense was uh, for a large portion of that game. And yet, because of their ability to run the game, run the ball, it just didn't matter. They put up thirty on the road. That's pretty darn good, and I think it's probably worthwhile now to to at least discuss some of the not-so-great,
1: right? I think that is fair, and for the first half, that was pretty much going to be the storyline. I was trying so, to figure out what I was going to write about, uh, <laughs> and it seemed obvious. They put the ball
0: on the ground four times. Uh, Five? The offense, well,
1: four. But,
0: the offense, yeah. no. See, one of those, uh, they, they put it on, uh, and for, I'm talking about the first half, I thought. In oh, the first half, okay. the first half it, was, it was four, and three of them were off- offensively. They did it a fifth time, but I think there was a penalty, so it didn't matter. But like the that has, I mean, that's obviously a, a huge concern, and and the one that sticks out certainly. Well, in in Braylon, it should be at least mentioned that you know he uh, he bounced back from it, right? Like he bounced oh, yeah. back from those those two fumbles, including one loss. Said so that uh, Melvin Gordon was in his mind. Melvin Gordon, 2014 against Nebraska, is you know he fumbled twice, lost both of those fumbles in the first half. And went on to win a run for 408 yards in a, in a blowout win, and that was kind of in his mind. And he didn't necessarily have 408 yards, but he bounced back really, really well after that. But those are that's certainly a concern, and I think it was a concern to Paul Chris because they did not let him touch the ball for quite some time after that second one. I think Brady Shipper even got a couple of carries before Braylon did again. So, but he, he he needs to be in there. Like you, you obviously you don't want the turnovers, and you have to at least acknowledge that. But he needs to be in there but the, the big one obviously was the, the Graham Mertz strip sack return for a touchdown. How many touchdowns do opposing defenses ha- have against Wisconsin now?
1: Um, I'm assuming, you know, the answer I'm I, going I to say four. Uh, so, Mertz Mertz through the two, two pick six is to Notre Dame three, chase Wolf through one. Yeah. Uh, and so I believe this would be the fourth fourth. Okay. All right. Really so hurting the scoring defense, you know,
0: it is. I agree. But so in the moment, this is going to be a little bit, uh, a mea culpa. like, I, I messed up. So in the moment, I'm like the lack of awareness from Graham there is just horrible. I, I, I didn't say horrible, but I said just, you know, and then dot, dot dot. And after going back and looking at it and then talking to them and then looking back at it again, I think that's a little bit unfair. So Graham was not looking whatsoever at the, at the blitzer. And I still don't know who exactly who's at fault for that, but I asked Graham afterwards what happened. And he said it was a missed assignment. Mm-hmm. And, now, he did not say who the missed assignment was, but then I went and talked to Logan Bruss and he said, uh, you know, it's just it's just something that happens. And I'm like, well, Graham said it was a missed assignment and uh, he smiled and was like, yeah, I mean, all the offensive line can do is, is block, the, you know, the guys that we're told to block and that type of thing. And, um, you know, I don't I don't know who is responsible, but I'm sure we'll get it fixed up. And going back and looking at it, the only guy that I can think would be responsible for it. And again, I don't know this for sure. It's something that, you know, it's something that can be asked on on Monday. Did you watch this play? Like Brady Shipper just runs right by the guy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he was at fault for it, but there was a missed assignment there. And instead of, uh, you know, it's third and long, instead of a potential, you know, opportunity to, to convert on the first down, the ball is going the other way. And it just feels like that has happened, obviously way too often where they don't where 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 they just are not good with the ball. And I know I kind of joked last week about (laughs) saying that they don't care about the ball. They don't really want the ball. They they but it it just feels like a lot of the times these are self-inflicted mistakes. As good of a play as it was for Purdue. I mean it's clear it's a misassignment. It could have been it could have been helped and they didn't do it.
1: Yeah. I'm It's I don't. It wasn't the offensive line's fault, right? Because if you look at the play, they're they're blocking up it, yes. what appears to be everyone they're they're responsible for. And I, I, I tend to agree with Graham. The way, I mean, in the moment, and I think a lot of people were complaining, like God, how can you not have that vision or whatever. But he said, as you said, there was a missed assignment. He said they were supposed to have it protected up, and he was looking at the field side and that the boundary side blitz. He said, quote, wasn't even in my vision, which is obvious, I think, but, um. There was a reason why he wasn't looking in that direction. Either way, that's the 16th turnover that Wisconsin has this season through seven games. Um, 11 of those are from Graham. You can debate how many of those he's responsible for. Certainly quite a few of them. I don't know if, if that would be one of them. But again, it goes back to why, why the defense's ability to, to get some takeaways was so vital because at that moment, Karloftis returns at 56 yards, Purdue's up 13 to 10. With with six minutes left in the second quarter. And I mean, at halftime, even when that game was tied, I certainly didn't feel very good about Wisconsin's chances. You and I both picked Purdue coming into the week. So that yeah, as you've said, the the turnovers and the the awful third down conversion rate, which they were one for eleven against Purdue, have stuck out and continue to stick out. Now, can they can they work around that by doing some of these other things well? They were able to against Purdue. I don't know if they'll be able to against Iowa, but this is sort of that who Wisconsin is. It's just can they get just good enough at some of these things to skate by and win the West?
0: Well, Paul was asked, how do they get better on third downs? What did he say? What did he say? Not not be in them? (laughs) (laughs) I'd have have to go back and look. So like convert them more? Yeah. Uh, Or how do you get better on third down? Convert them more. I'm uh, going to ask
1: yeah. him again on Monday about that as I'm going to do a story on it. Like, I, I, there are a lot of times where I really wish, can we just get an in depth answer from you? Like, put your coaching hat on and fully explain what the hell's going on. What he do you see?
0: To, yeah. He wanted to go. He, he yeah. was, yeah. I'm going to
1: try again on Monday.
0: Yeah. He, he had pulled his mic off by the time that question came out. So, yeah. um, yes, it was an interesting, yeah. I mean, it was an interesting setup there. And <laughs> the band playing, the, uh, the, like, these beep, beep. Beep, like going on all around us, uh, helicopters. Like it was it was a crazy scene for his press comments. I, I barely heard anything he said. And, and um, I mean, for being honest, I don't think I probably missed too much. Um, but yes, Wisconsin obviously gets the win. They're two and two in Big Ten play. They are a game back of both Iowa and Minnesota. Well, obviously still get to play both of those, including Iowa coming up on Saturday at Camp Randall. Iowa had this weekend off. I'm sure that they were big fans of Wisconsin this weekend. Uh, obviously, they needed they needed Purdue to lose a game at some point for them to be able to uh, win the Big Ten West outright. So I'm sure that they were fans of Wisconsin this weekend. And now they uh, come to Camp Randall, and I'm sure it's going to be a really really fun environment. But we got a, t- a ton of Twitter questions to get to. But I wanted to start first though with uh, overreaction or no? Okay. Braylon Allen's going to be talked about as one of the great Wisconsin running backs someday or no? <sighs>
1: Um I'm gonna go with overreaction for now because he's been a significant contributor for three games, and we're talking about Wisconsin, yeah. not some program where this is unbelievable. <laughs> like we just saw Jonathan Taylor win two Doke Walker Awards. Melvin Gordon came in second in the Heisman, Doke Walker Award winner, Monte Ball. That's just in the last decade. Is it possible? I was of course it's possible. The dude is 17. He's just built like a truck, um, and he's just scratching the surface. But right now, I'm going to pump the brakes on it.
0: Leo Chanel is the best inside linebacker the Badgers have had since Chris Borland. Overreaction Ooh. or no? Again, that's a, that's a lot of good guys. Yeah. We saw, ah. we saw a couple of them down at, down in I, at, uh, West Lafayette. Jack Cicci and, and Chris Orr are both down there. Right.
1: Um, I would be willing to say no that that is not an overreaction at this time next year. If
0: okay. you think if he's sticking he around, mm, I mean, I don't. Think do you think he's, he's gone? gone? Yes. I mean, all right. I shouldn't say it. I shouldn't say it. Two games don't necessarily make make an NFL career, but the way that he's playing, the way that he's making an impact. I think it's gonna be extremely, extremely difficult for him to be sticking around for another year.
1: I had not really thought much of that about that since we're halfway through the season and he's just now starting to find his groove. But uh,
0: I mean to be fair, TJ Watt he, didn't start finding his groove to yeah, the middle of, true. of his junior year.
1: That's true. I mean he did it more than in two games. I I don't know. Yeah, if he but does this else, for the next six games.
0: Even you said he had a breakout year last year. So yeah, like he did but, this last he did this last year. He's just doing it on a different level, like on an all-American level. These last two games.
1: Well, yeah, I, that, but that's the level I think you have to play at in order to declare early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if I, I don't know, I. We'll see. I think I think he'll. Who knows? Right okay. now, uh, I'm gonna uh, force to get back to the question. It's an overreaction because <laughs> there's been a lot of good dudes, and uh, again two great games it's hard for me to, to put them over some of those other guys. You know, I mean, even, even what Chris Orr did the year with, with, with Zach Vaughn, you know, 10 plus sacks that year. Uh, huh. Certainly seems like Leo's on his way to that. Um, we'll
0: see. Who's, who do you think the better player is right now between uh, Leo and Jack Sandler?
1: Leo. M- bigger difference maker.
0: He is. But I also also say this, and Leo Leo spoke to Leo last Monday, and, and I asked him, you know, him him and Jack Hanborn playing together, and he said he's so good for me because he's he's he allows me just to go crazy. He yeah. knows he knows where the ball is going, like he knows where the play is going. So he doesn't he doesn't. I just run downhill. I'm I'm a hundred miles an hour every single time. He knows where things are going. He can read stuff, and he helps me in that pl- that way. And he's able to play in the eye of the hurricane. And Leo saying. He is the Hurricane, and Jack Sanborn is able to play within that eye because that's, it, that's just what it is. That's just what it's like to play next to him.
1: I think that's a great point, too, and I'm reminded of something that Jim Leonard said earlier this season when he was talking about Leo, about the progress that he had made because that's basically exactly what he said things were like last season. It would, when things would get maybe too overwhelming or complex, he would say, Leo – Go make a play, and then Jack would be there to clean things up. And obviously, that's still part of what makes that dynamic so good this season. Leo has gotten better in terms of general understanding of the defense and stuff, but that's how he plays. That that whole uh, grown Tasmanian devil. He's he's a wild man out there, and, he, and he's going to blow stuff up. But I, I think it's a good point. You know, they they have different skill sets, but. The ter- so maybe the term better isn't the right way to put it, but from a pure playmaking standpoint, we've seen the last two weeks how incredible Leo can be.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, over Asher or no, Wisconsin is a favorite to win the Big Ten West. <sighs> favorite. Well? Transitive property. Uh, God.
1: I'm going to say, no, that's not an overreaction. <laughs>
0: okay. I don't know. All right. Iowa's got to come here, man. <laughs> uh, Iowa has to come here. Wisconsin has to go to Minnesota. Yeah. I just, I don't know. We talked
1: about it earlier. Getting some 2014 vibes. Don't <laughs> know.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, and I know 2014 passing was was not ideal, but Joel made some throws down the stretch. Specifically, I, I am mean, thinking about the Nebraska game, when they were down seventeen to three, it was third and eight, and it was not looking good. If they had to punt it back, you know who knows where that goes. But he completes a ball to Jordan Frederick. Great catch by Jordan Frederick. I believe Joel got hit in the nuts on that play. <laughs> um, but uh, c- completes to Jordan Frederick. Next play, Melvin down the sideline for a touchdown, where he hurled the guy in the sideline, and and uh, Bo Pelini went nuts. Uh, when did he go nuts? But mm-hmm. yeah, so he made a throw here there. Obviously, a couple of great passes in the Iowa game and had the scramble that ended up winning the Iowa game, too. So, like, just because you're going to count on a running game. And, and obviously, I think the 2014 running game was was better than this one. And I certainly think the running back leading oh, yeah. it was, was better. But I do like this one to punch better than because Corey Clement wasn't healthy down the stretch. So it was Corey, essentially. And then it was uh, Derek Watt and a uh, little Tanner McAvoy in there. And, you know, Dare when when they got up a lot. So, I like, the, I like the two-headed monster here better, but yeah, Melvin's just on a different level. So, but I do think the quarterback is at some point going to have to make a play or two if they're going to end, yes. up, um, end up doing this. And, you know, Graham's had some nice scrambles, right? So that, that works well. But before we get into Twitter questions, I feel like they had one shot down the field to Kendrick. Mm-hmm. That could have been a big-time play, could have been a huge play, uh, could have been a touchdown for all we know, but he didn't even give him a chance. Yeah, sailed out of bounds, right? Ball was like ten yards out of bounds, and you know the wind. There was a little bit of wind there, but it wasn't to that extent. He needs to give his guys a chance, and in that situation, he has not given. He did not give him a chance, and because Kendrick had him beat. When when you are running the ball the way that they are, you're going to get a lot of those matchups on the outside, and you have to be able to take advantage of them when when they surface. And he just hasn't.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I will say is at least willing after games to own up to what he doesn't do. Right. And he addressed that throw and said that it should have been a touchdown. Now we've heard that too often this season, you know, that it should have. Um, I also, I, I do wonder how difficult it is to <laughs> sustain any type of rhythm when you're throwing like two times a quarter. And I mean, obviously that goes back to if they had more trust in the passing game that he Wouldn't be throwing two times a quarter. He did start that game. I think he was five for five at one point. Um, It's just that in this particular game, they didn't need to throw and never asked him to throw. But you absolutely are correct that he's got to deliver on those throws. We've been talking about it a lot. Still mind-blowing again. Another game where Danny Davis doesn't get a catch. I don't think he was even targeted, was he? Don't believe that he was. No, he wasn't. Well, I mean. Graham threw eight passes, no. but I, I don't believe that he was, I had mentioned before there was that two game stretch last, or maybe I didn't mention it, but you know, last, I wrote a story late last week about the the wide receivers and, and what's been going on this season. Danny didn't catch any passes in the, that two game stretch against uh, Michigan and army. He was targeted a total of three times in those games. It's just, it's sort of mind blowing. If, if he's your best wide out that there's, there's nothing doing there. Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I'll I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I would have bet my entire life savings after that Illinois game last year that there would never be a game in which Graham Mertz threw one more pass than Kurt Phillips did in 2012 against Indiana. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. It's not a chance. Ridiculous. Not a chance in hell. I ever would have. I no, not a chance. And yet, that's where they are right now. They are at that level, and it just doesn't. It's it doesn't make sense because there is talent there, and, and and Graham. And uh, the passing game just hasn't been good enough, and some of that is some of that's pass blocking. Uh, in the limited opportunities that Wisconsin had to pass block, I don't think it was ideal. Certainly, that we saw that, but there are a lot of things that go into it, and you just can't. When you're that poor, you have to go with what's working, and the running game was working, and, and you and you stuck with it. But yikes! They can't win. They can't win the Big Ten West without some plays from them. They can't. Yeah, um, I don't think so. Maybe
1: you do. I, I honestly don't know anymore. I don't know what to think. If the defense is going to play, that lights out. I mean, Purdue had minus 13 yards rushing. Now, part of that was because they sacked Purdue six times. but That's sec- the
0: second fewest by a uh, FBS team this year.
1: It's ridiculous. That's the second game they've gotten six sacks. They got six against Notre Dame too, which obviously Notre Dame has problems mm-hmm. with his offensive line. At, um, I Yeah, you would like to think, and I just wrote that if they don't want to win the Big Ten West, they got to do something with the passing game. Uh, we'll we'll have to see. We'll
0: um, see if they, see if I, they prove I, us wrong.
1: I, yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I, I realize this is a, a bit of a, a slight tangent, but but not really. And maybe it's a, a topic for another show. But I, I do think it's worth mentioning. Like you see these games where Graham's throwing eight times, where who we believe to be the best wide receiver on the team doesn't get targeted, doesn't have any catches for the third time in a month it does make me wonder what, what does the future hold for recruiting the wide receiver position? Um, you know, Devin Chandler can, can talk about how dis, disgruntled he was and, and how, you know, he, even if he was starting next year, he, uh, you know, wouldn't have gotten the touches that he wants. And as I said last week, like if he was starting this year, he probably wouldn't say that. But again, I, I don't, I think it is a viable question. Like if you're, if you're a wide receiver and you're being recruited by Wisconsin and you see what's happening, that's got to be a challenge. <laughs> um, so again, maybe a discussion for another day. But I think after after a game where you see Graham throw eight times, just makes you wonder what's the future hold for that position at Wisconsin.
0: Let's talk about that Thursday. Let's talk. about I'll, I'll, Mental note for me. I will All right. write that down, and we'll talk about that on Thursday.
1: There are that sounds good. Yeah. By the way, ha- we have not addressed the fact Wisconsin had a first and goal from the one against Purdue. Mm-hmm. And lost four yards on three plays. Uh, just want to throw that out there <laughs> that, that that was a uh, terrible
0: shot. I'm shocked that there was not a fullback dive or a quarterback sneak in there at all. Like, just not all three plays, though I probably could have been okay with um, three straight John Chanel's. I mean, I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? But Graham has three touchdown, uh, on touchdowns on quarterback sneaks in his career. Um, you know, all in that same area. Obviously, why not do that? Why not try and maybe pull out the naked boot that they did last week? Something. Um, do you think they got
1: cute on third and goal oh, from the one trying to yes. do a, a jet sweep to prior that was strung out to the sideline?
0: Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You here's the- you're, you're Wisconsin, right? Right be Wisconsin and uh, they were a little bit too on brand and not scoring from the one that, that 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 is not the Wisconsin you want to be be the Wisconsin that you've been for a large stretch of the last 30 years he, here's a here's one stat i wanted to throw out my editor gave
1: this to me i put it in my story after the game that entering the game saturday there had been 30 fbs drives since 2019 that started at the opponent's 1 yard line of those drives 28 ended in a touchdown one ended in time expiring because the team was already up by double figures and one ended in a fumble. So the point <laughs> is it's damn near impossible to not score a touchdown on first and goal from the one, but they managed to, to not score a touchdown. Woof. I think that's some summed up the first half.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's get into some of our Twitter questions here. CT Badger asks, happy for the win, but does the game reinforce why a basically one dimensional Wisconsin can't beat upper echelon teams? yeah (laughs) yeah okay yeah it it feels like an easy answer um yes yes for the most part yes yes yeah Yeah, it's a short answer to me yeah (laughs) yeah uh essentially a sold or not sold here from from hanzo steel uw will attempt 11 or fewer passes in each of their remaining games (laughs) sold or not sold
1: i'm not sold um i'm not gonna say this wasn't one off though but uh you know, there's five games left. I think I think Graham's going to gonna air it out uh, a handful of times.
0: Nuclear Badger asks, and we kind of already talked about this, how much of a difference would it have made if Chanel would have played in the first couple of games?
1: I think it would have made a difference. I think that's fair to say. For sure.
0: Jeff asks, the 2021 team can't match, well, probably can't, the success of that 2017 team that you think is one of the best ever. Um, but what does the 2021 defense need to do the rest of the way to receive equal recognition as a unit, as that 2017 defense. Personally, I think they're just as good.
1: I mean, another shutout or two would, would do doing pretty well, getting some turnovers. I mean, statistically, they're, they're up there, obviously. They're better and than them. They're better than the, them. The run defense and the yards per carry that they're allowing, I think naturally those numbers go up, the better competition you play, but... They've already
0: played their. They've already played the better competition. You know what I mean? Like, right. they've so, already played the. They've already played the the, the ranked teams. Obviously, so I was I ranked,
1: but yeah, I was eleven. Uh, well, as we're ninth. talking, they're eleven. Are they, no. What are they? Eighth. They're ninth. Ninth. Did the new AP poll come out? I was driving a lot. It did. Yes. Okay. You and me. Both. Um, I, I mean, I think if they continue on this path, they have every reason to be included in the best of categories they've been outstanding
0: i agree no uh statistically they're right there with them i mean they're right there with every defense uh since 1951 you know what i mean uh and total defense where they're at right now is better than any defense except for going back to 1951 that's the hard rocks unit right Mm -hmm. and uh you know the way that they're stopping the run the way that uh, they've been able to get at least pressure on the quarterback Now twelve of their sacks, twelve of their eighteen sacks have come in two games, but Mm -hmm. um, they've also been able to get. I mean, for one of those games, the team didn't even pass the ball barely at all. So that is what it is when it comes to Army. So I mean, you're averaging two sacks in the other in the other five games, right? No, the other four. Excuse me, the other three games. I don't think it's that that bad of a of a number either. So I think they are on that level. I kind of like the secondary from 2017 better, just because Nick uh, Nelson.
1: Yeah. getting a bunch of PBUs.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of like that group better. But I think the front seven, you, it's, hard, it's hard for me to say that this one isn't better than that. And that was a really, really, really good group. So they were deep. Like Chris Ward didn't even play that year. Um, you know, Like it was Ryan Connolly and TJ Edwards. And so, yeah, th- th- that was a really good group. But I think this one is on that level. I, and I think that they're just as good. And, and perhaps by the end of the year, we'll be talking about them as better. Yep. Uh, I think they're right on that level. Nick asks, uh, the Badgers won 11 on third down, fumbled like crazy, had 52 yards passing, and somehow have me now believing they could win out because of their running game and defense. Nick says, am I a crazy person?
1: Nope. I am also crazy, uh, if that's the case. I cannot believe it. I honestly can't believe it. <laughs> uh, but this is how Wisconsin's going to win this year, and it's right there for the taking. Now, can they... Do this for five more weeks consecutively. I don't know, but I don't think it's crazy. Uh,
0: Mark asks, "Did you ever hear Barry yelling anything interesting in the press box?" So <laughs> uh, the uh, for whatever, Maybe. We, yeah, for what for whatever reason they put the ads, I guess, right next to, uh, the, the box where the ad is right now is right next to the press box. And a couple of years ago, uh, we were like right next to it. Like uh, I think twenty eighteen, we were like right up against it. This year, not, or they, they, were in the, they were in a box on the other side. So, but you could hear them yelling. Uh, this time around, you could hear them yelling, especially the one, one I'll uh, mention. And I think maybe he's asking the question because I mentioned it on Twitter was on Ches Malusi, when he looked like he could have bounced it outside. Yeah. You could hear, you could hear Barry going, oh, go, go, go. And he punched it back in, and, he, and he darted back inside. And he got a couple more yards. But it felt like that could have been a touchdown. And I think Barry probably agreed
1: yeah it's just it's funny to, to be that close because he's in like he's on in full-on like you know coach ad mode just yeah. he's so into it um and everybody's screaming in the box
0: yeah and jake ferguson's mom is in there too yeah obviously barry's daughter so like she she was in there as well yes yeah, it's it's always entertaining when they when they uh go to purdue because they're always like right there Mm-hmm. and kind of right there same thing on in, in minnesota to an extent too um you there are certain places where you uh, get close and and you hear a lot of things um but yes uh marcus asks when you i guess he's talking about me uh predicted leo to have a breakout season did you think it would be this dominant? of it? um yes grandpa jay asks i've long <laughs> believed that getting to indy but Having little shot at winning the game still matters. Being a national pl- uh, platform matters. Am I right in thinking that helps for recruiting?
1: Does winning the Big Ten championship help for recruiting? No, no, Is that no,
0: no, 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 so no, He's long believed that getting to Indy for the Big Ten title game, but having little shot at winning the game still matters.
1: Ah, uh, uh, I mean, me, it, it keeps me, them relevant and on a national stage. Yeah, I, I think said before and maybe this was a mailbag question in recent weeks that I I don't know how much winning uh, in a particular season matters for a recruiting class um, like if they go to the Big Ten championship and I I, I think if if, a, if someone's not going to go to Wisconsin because they have a, a bad season or something like that, that that probably wasn't the right fit in general but certainly, if you are relevant on a consistent basis, that helps you primarily with out-of-state kids. Um, but I, I don't know. If that's a hard question to answer. Like That's who Wisconsin's been for the decade. They've been good enough to get to the Big Ten Championship and, and not win. I mean, the recruiting classes have been pretty decent. Yeah. I guess I'm more interested in what happens if they get there and, and Ohio State houses them. What does that mean?
0: Oh, well, it didn't really mean a ton after 2014, so
1: it just and demoralizing for the fan base, I guess is what I mean.
0: Yeah, and and yet they came back 2 years later and and blew a lead to Penn State and then came back you know, yeah. a year later that and had their chances but couldn't get it done and then obviously they also have the in 2019 where they take the lead like you're always going to have opportunities to get back there and nobody thinks you're going to win. So like I don't I don't know what it changes, right? Like Yeah. Anytime most you go of their there, class. Anytime they go there, unless it's going to be like Indiana or Michigan State or, or something like that, unless it's not Ohio State, no one thinks they're going to have a chance to win. That is unless unless you're, unless you're Las Vegas and you make them favorites in that 2014 game, which they did. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Did you have something you wanted to add there or no?
1: Uh, I was just going to say, most of their recruiting class for, for this next one in 2022 is... is They've got a lot of it done. There's some work to be done, but like, I, yeah, whatever happens this season doesn't really impact that. And I don't really know how much it impacts 2023 either. I just, again, I think I think it's more about style of play than, you know, yeah. If if they go eight and four, I honestly don't think recruits really care about that. It's if I'm a wide receiver and they throw eight times, do I want to go there?
0: It is tough, but then I think you can also go back and point to, Quintez Cephas having close to 60 catches and, and over 800 Whoa. yards and being like, hey, yes. if, you're, if you're good enough, if you're good enough and to, to make us do this, then yeah, we're going to, we're going to work with what the personnel we have is. And right now, Devin Chandler be damned. They don't think because whether it's quarterback, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the receiving group, whatever it is, they don't think that they have it. And I think we all believe it's, it's one of those things and i don't think it's the wide receivers but it is that's what it is right now it's not about throwing the ball eight times it's about having the pe- personnel in place to throw more than that and and right now they don't think they they have it and yesterday uh, on saturday they didn't need to like we've seen Graham throw the ball a bunch this year it's just that's not a good thing when it's, when that's happened
1: yes but and to your point i do think it is also worth noting that if you are a recruit there are plenty of people that see a game like that and and or or what Wisconsin is doing this season I think I can come in and be that difference maker and that is what Wisconsin sells that is what it sold or has sold to Marcus Allen and Skylar Bell like you come be here and and be the downfield threat and we'll see whether that materializes um I don't know I mean yeah. uh, I also do think it, what matters more than a record is, are these guys going to the NFL? And specifically, I think of the linebackers and the outside linebackers and the pipeline that they've had. Now, it has also coincided with the fact that the Badgers had a tremendous decade, but, you know, Nick Herbig, for example, a kid from yeah. Hawaii, why is he coming here? He's said it pretty explicitly. A lot of those guys were going to the NFL. So those are the things to me that I think also matter.
0: Yep, I agree. Uh, Jacob says, uh, Mike Tirico made reference during the Notre Dame game that Jack Cohn is having to adjust to a much more advanced offense than he had at Wisconsin. Seeing performances so far this year, do you think the game plan is more a reflection of QB O line play this year or truly an outdated approach that is able to be, only able to beat mediocre teams?
1: I don't think it's an outdated approach. Um, I know that college football has changed quite a bit, but, like, I mean, Wisconsin's been pretty damn successful. You do – to be fair, it, it, you can go back and say that they haven't beaten a bunch of those elite level teams, but they've beaten some good teams. I, to me, more it's 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 about execution. Like I, I think you can win with this system and this style if you execute better. Um, and those are the issues that have held them up. I mean, they're they're moving the ball like a lot of the times they're moving the ball. They're just they're turning it over, <laughs> like you know, it's gone. It's it's just crazy how much historic they club. Six, yeah, <laughs> historic Yeah, six 16 historic. turnovers. I think what was it coming into the game? They've been averaging two and a half turnovers a game. Yep. Uh, and I, I think you had mentioned this before. There'd been like one season Barry's first season. They turned it over more than two and a
0: half times a game. It's 2.82. Yeah. It's yeah. 2.82. I um, you
1: know, so you do that and it negates everything you're doing. I, I don't think it's like a prehistoric and some people argue that it is right. But this is Wisconsin. This is what it does well. And if they can do it well, they can beat a lot of teams. Now you can, you can debate whether you think this means they can beat (laughs) Alabama or Ohio state or whatever. Obviously they, they haven't been able to. Um, and, and I think that, you know, again, potentially for another, another episode, you know, do do you change so many different things to give yourself a shot at at those handful of programs when you've beaten so many others? I mean, obviously that's, that's not the case. That's not what we're going to see. Um, so that's just kind of where Wisconsin is right now. But no, I don't think it's like an outdated model. They just need I, to execute it better.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think they lost games this year because of their style of offense. No,
1: they lost because they turned it over, can't convert on third down, and yes, uh, you know,
0: <laughs> and, and didn't and didn't execute the where it's at. So I mean that 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 is where it, it was successful as of two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Right. right? So it what's changed? Well, we know what's changed. The The quarterbacks changed, the wide right. receivers changed, and the running back changed. Yes. And the, I mean, and it helps uh, to have
1: next-level personnel, obviously.
0: Yes, exactly. And, you know, Braylon Allen may be that. He, he, he's he's not right now. So um, I don't think any of those receivers are NFL guys. I don't think, certainly, obviously, the, the quarterback in 2019 was not an NFL guy. He's not. So, so you can win quarterback wise with a guy that's not an NFL guy, but you can't have a guy that's turning the ball over like Graham does. So that that's what Jack did really well. He threw five picks the entire year. Yep. Um, you know, so BR Nichols says, uh, I have a theory that a good percentage of this fan base never wanted Chris as a coach. And they felt it was settling for a UW type connected to the program to that end, this contingent of the fan base, which is much larger than I realized has been able to use recent struggles as reason to call for out, call up Chris in the program as a whole. It seems like they have been waiting for such struggles and have zero ability to see any real positives in the program despite what happens on or off the field. I'm not saying that everything is perfect, but the fact that so many cannot even be happy when we beat a ranked team on the road is troubling. Is it just me, or can you guys see some of this as well? If so, is there ever anything Chris can do to satisfy this contingent of the fan base?
1: Well, the answer probably would be no, other than winning Big Ten Championship or getting to the college football playoff or winning a Rose Bowl. I mean, honestly, I see this all the time, and I see it after the Purdue game. And there are fans like this. There's quite a few that they just want to be upset about stuff. They want to be upset about something, even though they just went on the road and beat a top 25 team. And if that's the case, I don't know what to do for you, man. (laughs) But I I don't know. I I, I never got the sense. I mean, who, I guess I would ask, who did you think they should have brought in? Um, You know, at that time, I think it was pretty important to bring in a guy like Paul because they had lost two coaches in two years to have somebody that wanted to be here, that was going to be here long-term. And he's won a crap ton of games. He's been Big Ten Coach of the Year pretty recently. So I don't know. Uh, he's going to be here as long as he wants to be here unless they fall fallen off a cliff. And I, I d- don't see that happening. I mean, certainly the last couple of years have raised some eyebrows, but um, uh, we'll see how this season plays out. I don't know. What are your <laughs> thoughts on that? That's a, there's a lot to that question.
0: There is. There is. There's a certain amount of people that are going to be upset no matter what. I'm looking at questions that we got on some Twitter questions that <laughs> from people that just want to be upset and want to be negative. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's, that's your right. I mean, hey, that's, that's your right. Fine. Like
1: it's just like what fun are you having then?
0: Like uh, one of these questions is is Rudolph's job in jeopardy? Failure as an OC and now a disastrous O line coach.
1: They just coming ran off, for 290 yards.
0: Coming off a game where the offensive line credited Joe with Making the adjustments they needed to make, especially you know after yes. Purdue started throwing some different uh, pressures at them uh, in, in terms of running the ball and like th- some different run fits, it's probably not the question that you want to you want to ask. Like is his friendship clouding Chris' honest assessment? And I think we've been pretty uh, upfront, or at least I have been, that if the struggles on offense continue, if they are unable to to do what. Uh, if they're unable to to be successful offensively and 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 that type of stuff, there's going to be changes. Like I, I, there are, and whether that involves Joe Rudolph or not, it probably does. Like, but those are, and I know everyone wants to talk about those now, but coming off the game they just had, like that, you're just you're being negative and and upset just to be negative and upset. I I guess I don't understand what the point of being a fan and is at that point. And I and I know that I've like I grew up watching Wisconsin football. I, I know. How uh, disappointing it can be, like to to have these not even these type of seasons, but like have these type of offenses where it's just like, come on, be able to throw the ball, please throw the ball. But like f- calling for someone's job after every single game, especially after a game in which they were pretty successful, at least run the ball. I know the pass blocking continues to be uh, not great, but yeah, at the end of the year, if, if Paul chris sits down, I think he made it. I think he made a huge step last year in taking the. Uh, play calling duties away from him like we all thought it would happen and there's something he needed to do but he did it and then he demoted him essentially he's not a, he's not a coordinator anymore i think that's a rather significant first step uh if you're if you're looking for things to, that paul chris is doing to, to uh to i guess address joe rudolph's performance but after yesterday that's this isn't the time to probably do it you know this probably isn't the time to be upset about it
1: well put, uh, zach
0: i don't know Badger B. W- one more here. <laughs> Badger beat down. Ask uh, Graham Mertz thrown for 120 yards and or less in four straight games. Does he get over that number at any of the game the rest of the season?
1: Yes, people okay. are people are making this easy. Like there's five <laughs> games left, and there might be six, and hell, there might be seven. They might go to the Big Ten Championship game. So that's a lot of opportunities. I think it's going to happen.
0: I saw some bowl projections this week. Uh, the Las Vegas Bowl. Would you be up for that? Um,
1: depends how many days I got to spend in
0: Vegas. (laughs) It wouldn't be a horrible place to be. Uh, Nah, it'd be fun. I I believe they also have the music city bowl and, uh, I'll take either
1: of those. You know what? I'll Nashville
0: Nashville in December. eh.
1: I I, I was going to say no disrespect to New York city, but in New York city in December in an open air press box, less than (laughs) ideal. That was the pinstripe bowl. So I would, I would take either of those. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we'll see how Wisconsin plays out. We'll uh, be back later this week. Talk about Iowa. Get ready for that big game on Saturday as Wisconsin tries to keep their Big Ten West hopes alive. And we'll see. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right. There he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You'll be listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.